Hi, this is Amanda Shule from 12 Monkeys, and you are listening to TV Times 3. We sit glued to the TV set all night, and every night, why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 260. On this episode, we've got uh, a couple of news items, and then we'll be talking about our favorite uh, Super Bowl commercials, well, from yesterday, Super Bowl 49, and then uh, we'll uh, talk about uh, recent episodes of Person of Interest, Gotham, The Flash, and 12 Monkeys, and then we've got some uh, TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 260. I'm Jason the TV Holic from tvholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Carla Day from TV Die Hard and BuddyTV.com. And Daryl Darnell from Golden Spiral Media, goldenspiralmedia.com. Thank you both for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Thanks. All right. First up, a couple of news items. HBO announced that uh, they have renewed Togetherness uh, for a second season, uh, which uh, I kind of like that show. So it'd uh, be good to see a second season of that, I suppose. Although it seems to be telling a story that like once it goes a certain, I don't know, uh, length. Of, like I guess you keep putting this family in weird situations. But the next one is the, is kind of a weird one. Uh, TV Line is reporting that TBS has canceled Ground Floor after two seasons, uh, but TBS has not officially announced that they're uh, either renewed or canceled. So, don't really know, but thought I'd uh, put that one out there. Which would be too bad. I kind of like that show. And kind of weird because it's getting the same ratings, basically, that it got in the first season. So I'm not sure, like, what, why it would get, why you would cancel it if that was good enough to get it picked up the first time. And then on uh, the uh, comedy front, also, uh, USA Network announced it uh, a f- couple weeks ago, but we missed this one. Uh, I went back and looked and hadn't mentioned it on the podcast, that they canceled Benched uh, after one season. Uh, which is, I don't know, I kind of like that show. I uh, would have liked to have seen it based on where they left the story continue, but and also that I really like the cast. Uh, but USA Network is, although they're sort of boosting sirens right now, they're sort of getting out of the half-hour comedy, so I don't know. Uh, but that's... Uh, that's the that's the few things that were in the news the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, we'll move on to our favorite Super Bowl commercials. Commercials from Super Bowl 49. Uh, there was, as usual, a lot of commercials. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, but, but this time there was a, an actual good game, like right down to the end. Uh, so it wasn't all about... Uh, like just sticking around to watch the commercials like some some Super Bowls are uh, or like last year was where it was into the second just into the second half it was pretty much over mm-hmm. but uh, as i mentioned to Carla and uh, Daryl before the podcast i'm still working i'm still on a little bit of a Super Bowl loss hangover so uh don't really want to talk about the game so we'll talk about the commercials <laughs> <laughs> and uh we'll start with you Carla what were uh what were your top uh, top 3 I really liked um, my favorite was um, the like a girl commercial. It's not something new. It's 
that had been online before and that, but I thought that playing that commercial on the Super Bowl um, was the perfect place. And hopefully it'll make people think before they speak as far as, you know, saying run like a girl or throw like a girl or whatever it might be. Um, and it kind of was, you know, it's empowering for little girls to see that as well, I think. So I really liked that commercial. I also liked the the Liam Neeson uh, Clash of Clans commercial. Which I would not have known what Clash of Clans even was before Christmas because my nephew um, wanted me to put it on my phone so he could play it. And it's like his favorite game, I guess, to play on phones. But I thought that was a, you know, it was it was a fun commercial and Liam Neeson, you can't go wrong with him. So I really liked that one. And then um I'm trying to think my third favorites um i i forgot what i was going to pick so um <laughs> that's really bad of me isn't it well we'll see if you something sparks your uh, memory of uh of what it is how about you daryl well, she picked some good ones for sure. And I was like her. I, the Like a Girl commercial was really good. I had seen it online like months ago. So at first it didn't even like click on my radar as a as a new commercial that was even up for consideration until I saw the people talking about it. And so I thought, oh, I, I guess this is the first time it had aired on television maybe. But it's a, definitely a great commercial. Loved the Liam Neeson, which made me wonder like how much money are these – these app developers making because <laughs> yeah. we saw a couple of them like uh, was it Game of War and and uh, was it God of War Game of War whichever one it is I don't know was that of, the boob one uh, yeah 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 that, but, yeah that's the with the whatever model yeah I forget uh, yeah I don't know her name her name right now yeah but uh, you know a lot of a lot of money spent on on the advertising here but my my top three I don't know if these are in any particular order but the uh, Snickers commercial. With the Brady Bunch, was uh, was uh, with uh, was it Danny Trejo? That uh, yeah, Danny Trejo. Yeah, yeah. And who played Jan? Um, what is his name? Steve um, Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. I, I love that one. And they released that one online like a day or two before the Super Bowl, and they had like even a behind the scenes how they made the thing, and and uh, so even having seen it before the Super Bowl, it was still pretty awesome to see that one. So that one's up there. I really also enjoyed the uh, Brian Cranston insurance commercial where he's at the pharmacy and she's she's picking up her drugs and he's like, "Say my name," you know. It was just great. It was so good to see him reprise his uh, his character from Breaking Bad. And then uh, the third one for me was from uh, Dove of all people. There there was a couple of commercials that had. Men kind of depicted in in a pretty good way, you know the uh, the dad who was the race car driver. That one was kind of weird because like dad's gone all the time, but I guess he's he's still this really good dad. I, that was a little bit of a disconnect for me. But like Toyota had a really good dad commercial, and uh, Dove had a really good dad commercial, and it was nice to see men being depicted as not bumbling, foolish idiots who can't parent, who can't, you know, do anything right. Uh, so it was nice to see the the dads get some good press. But I, of, of those, I would give my, my the tip of my hat to Dove. What is it, Dove Men's Plus Care or whatever? The, yeah, the yeah, something like that. Stuff. Yeah, that one. 
That was the best dad one. Yeah. There was actually a lot of uh, message, more like PSAs, mm-hmm. uh, c- commercials, you know, along the way here that, uh, you know, but yeah, there were, there were less, I mean, you, you think back, there's been a, a lot of ads. It's sort of like the, the opposite of the, you know, like the, like a girl uh, type of thing where it's like, we're getting back at guys. And so like commercials just portray them as complete bumbling idiots with like not a brain of their own. And, you know, they're just following, uh, you know, like a, a lot of, uh, you know, like the whipped husband type of ads and stuff like that, or, or where, yeah. Or like you said, where, you know, the, the dad is like an idiot and can't do anything right. uh, type of stuff. And so it's kind of, it's, it was kind of uh, you could say almost kind of refreshing to see like <laughs> in, in commercial wise for with, with those type of, type of things. Some, some of those were, you know, the, 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 like a girl one was good, you know, and you know, like you said, the couple of the dad ads were, were pretty good. But I tend to go towards the ones that that make me laugh, right? And then also that you you that also sort of make a point and and sort of work also as an ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the the ones where you you already mentioned it was the you know the sort of pharmacy uh, with the the insurance ad for you know with Brian Cranston uh, doing you know Walter White, which was actually really funny because they had done an earlier one. Uh, in the in the during the Super Bowl with Lindsay Lohan, uh-huh. and it was horrible. But sorry, but what, <laughs> no, what was what was horrible about that one is like I I got the point of the ad without even recognizing that it was Lindsay Lohan. Like they were, I didn't even recognize. Like, and then when the next one popped up and Brian Cranston popped up, I was like, wait, was that a famous person <laughs> in the first one? Because it seemed odd to like just have like just a you know, uh, a normal person. Uh, uh, but I, I like those for the idea of insurance rates are based on actuary tables, you know, and grouping people into these That's different right. categories and stuff like that. And so I like that, you know, they were trying to make a point of, uh, you know, just because everybody's, you know, this person's in the same group, you probably don't want to get the same insurance rate as yeah. as Walter White. You know, What's like, funny is 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 with Brian Cranston's commercial, they're basing it off of his fictional yeah. character. <laughs> with Lindsay, they're doing it off of her real life disaster. Yes. They should have had it in her her British sister, like her and then her British sister. One of them is like got her act together, the other one doesn't. <laughs> Never mind. Uh nice. I remembered my other favorite. Oh, there you go. What was it? It's the invisible Mindy one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where she tries to kiss Matt Damon. Yeah. I that loved that good. one. I thought it was yeah. hilarious because, you know, out of all the commercials this year, there was a lot. There was a lack of humor. Like sometimes some years it seems like the the companies try to go over the top like stick or slapstick funny. Um, but this year, just there was like it was way too serious. There wasn't enough fun. So it, I, out of all the funny ones, that was my favorite. Well, I'll mention that one again in a in a bit. But uh, the the other, my other, uh, my next favorite one was the Brady Bunch uh, one because I I mean they've done a pretty good job. I mean it's the same. They've been doing the same sort of Snickers ad for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a. This was a really well done one of, of putting 
But but putting Danny Trejo into a which is actually, you know, a relatively famous scene of, you know, Marshall yeah. getting hit with a football and uh, you know, and then but then Steve Buscemi at the end with the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yes. It's never about me and storming off was uh was too good. Yeah. I really like that one. And then the last one is the Skechers ad with Pete Rose. Uh, the, oh, yeah. the hall. I mean, it, <laughs> that one made me laugh out loud. I when it got to the end when he, you know, he's got all his trophies and stuff in the hall at his house, and he's walking down the hall, and his wife pops his head around the corner and says, tells him to get out of the hall that he's not supposed to be there, and he, and when he says not even at home, I <laughs> laughed so I laughed so hard it made me laugh. And yeah. so I had to I had to put that one on the list because just because of that I mean uh, that one that one just worked really well I thought uh, uh, for for getting the laugh the sort of uh, I guess you know honorable mention on the making you laugh or or sort of what's the Doritos ad with the the guy on the airplane mm-hmm. Oh, that one was good. If you fly Southwest, especially, yeah, I like, like you totally get it. <laughs> yeah, that was totally based off of flying Southwest. It was because I've totally, you've totally had that experience where you're sitting there and there's people just keep walking by and walking by and you're just like, but you know that the plane's full. <laughs> so mm-hmm. sooner or later, somebody's going to sit next to you and you're wondering who it's going to be. But yeah, that was the, that one was pretty funny with the, you know, he's, He's doing all these things to try and keep people from sitting next to him until he sees the the pretty woman coming down the aisle, uh, and then and the and, baby, and then and then the person in front moves, and she's got a baby and a baby carrier on front. <laughs> Which, I don't you know, know if you did you see that Southwest tweeted out that um, today and tomorrow, if you sit in a middle seat and you tweet them a selfie of yourself in the middle seat. Like they're sending some kind of prize or something, like Doritos and something. Oh, cool! <laughs> I was like, I don't know if it was planned that way, but I thought if not, or that's if it was, a, that's like, a great follow-on, a great tie-in. In, in yeah, in a, to to jump on the the bandwagon for the next couple of days of. Uh... What did you guys think of the um, the Jeff Bridges Squarespace one? The Ohm. Yeah, all the Squarespace ones were kind of weird. You know, with the build your own website stuff or whatever. Yeah. But that one was. Uh, I don't yeah, know I liked what they were trying to do. I mean, that's a fun character to bring back. You know, everyone likes the dude, and and it, like I said, con- the concept I think was good, but I don't know that they really pulled it off for me. The commercial was done. Like when he first showed up on screen in character, I was like, "All right, this is going to be a good one." And then when it was over, I'm like, "Huh." Well, that was a disappointment. It's <laughs> yeah, like, oh. Web, build your own website. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, so, like, with when Brian Cranston showed up in character, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be good." And when it was over, I'm like, "I want to see that again right now." <laughs> yeah. The opposite reaction with with the Jeff Bridges commercial for me. Yeah. Well, yeah. You sort of you sort of get it. You don't need to to, to see it again. It's not going to. It's it wasn't really funny the first time. It's not going to be funny mm-hmm. the second time. Right. Yeah. Some of the other ones that they did in there, you know, with like uh, Terrell Owens and the humble pie and. Farve yeah. carve, yeah, or whatever. The, I don't know. They just didn't. Uh, uh, they didn't quite work. Uh, I kind of did like the on the note of ones that kind of you know that I kind of liked was uh, 
although I'm blanking on which car company it was, but it was the one with the, gosh, and I can't even think it, Pierce Brosnan. Oh, yeah. Where, I think it was Lexus that did that one. It was, no, it was Kia. Yeah, that's Kia. Why, okay. why It yeah, was so weird because you're like, Pierce Bronson would never drive a Kia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, Maybe that's but, why I thought Lexus. <laughs> but it also, but it played off of that that type of thing, like that he played Bond or the action hero right. type of thing. And that, uh, but I liked it. It was kind as of it, tongue in cheek that yeah, the, as it kept like, going, oh, he's like, this is all these big things that cars, you know, you're driving, yeah, do. you're driving on the up a, you know, a lonely road at 200 miles an hour. No, you're only going 30. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you come around and there's something blocking your a tank. No, it's, it's a moose. moose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And so yeah, and then you know the explosion at the end, but the knot and that that one was that one was kind of good. But uh, I mean, there were some there were some pretty there were some pretty decent ones in there. But uh, start with you, Carla. What was your sort of like least favorite or one that didn't uh, didn't work for you? Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna give two, and since you made you're making me go first. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't need to see like toe fungus on my TV screen during the football. <laughs> that was disgusting. It was gross. And like I was just eating my dinner then. So <laughs> I will just leave it at that. Um, and I'm sure I mean, the one that has the most buzz and was like the kill the kid commercial. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's the Super Bowl. I don't want to hear about killing kids. This is not the hundred, you know. Like <laughs> that was definitely one of the message uh, commercials that uh, I don't think quite nationwide. Quite I worked. Mean, well, that's and the that thing. poor kid in the commercial. Like he's now like a mom, all because. He died in a commercial on the on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, no, it's all kinds of things that yeah he didn't get to he didn't get to do because uh, it was all kinds of both of those were all kinds of wrong. Well, see that 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 one's my pick. I mean, there were other ones that didn't really work, and I you know, probably you know like uh, the Kim Kardashian. Can we, we pretend that never happened you know, and all that type of stuff? There was some there was some pretty. Some pretty bad ones are ones that I didn't like, uh, but uh, I think the the main thing was is that is they played that ad and it's totally playing towards you're you're thinking it's not gonna go <laughs> to where they say because I died and then they show like an overflowing bathtub and you mm-hmm. know all these different ways that uh, you know a kid could die with it over in an accident and it's like. Yeah, the uh, sort of you know get the message or whatever is kind of not where you know it's sort of not what you're expecting with a Super Bowl commercial because uh, you like Carla said you're kind of expecting the, these over the top silly or you know out there ads or whatever and uh, this kind of went the 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 other direction but what really got me is that like a commercial break later or so is another nationwide commercial with where Mindy is invisible. And that one totally play ends up playing for laughs, but it just seemed really strange that <laughs> within a period of a few minutes, they played both an ad that went totally for humor and one that was like a message about, and it seemed like you should have done one or the other. Mm-hmm. It seemed odd to have both of them and both of them play during the same quarter. 
you know, of, of football, uh, that I think that was really what pushed me over the top of not, uh, it's like, fine, if you want to, you know, go for that message, but then they sort of completely go away from that message unless, <laughs> unless you were waiting for like the end to find out that, and uh, nobody could see Mindy because she had died too. It's like it's like whiplash branding. I mean, it's like where's your brand? What are you trying to do? It made no sense. Yeah, because it seems like you, if 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 you're pushing this message and you really want to, you know, sort of like always with uh, getting the, the like a girl message out there, uh, you know, preventing child accidents. That's a worthy. That's a very worthy thing to get out there. But then to completely go away with that with something that's totally going for a laugh in the next one that played just I think in like the next commercial break or something like that was very was very strange to me yeah so how about you Daryl well you guys mentioned that the the ones that were kind of the bottom of the barrel for me when that nationwide commercial aired I mean we're all having a good time we're watching the game most <laughs> yeah. of the commercials are making us laugh and and it like sucked the air out of the room. And I looked over at my wife and I'm like, well, that was morbid. <laughs> yeah. And then today it's just been getting ripped all across the Internet backwards and forwards. So I, clearly and with all three of us already talking about it here. So clearly that was that's got to be the loser. The uh, the other one was also mentioned. Um, and now I'm drawing a blank on which one it was. Um, what was your second one, Carla? Oh, the foot fungus. I'm not no, even I, say I, I didn't the name get foot of fungus it. or I didn't see foot fungus either way. What the was Kim the other Kardashian one? one? That was That's also the one. horrible. Yeah, that one was. I don't need any more Kim Kardashian. I need. I need. And I don't. I don't even watch anything that she's in. And I still have too much Kim Kardashian in my life. So <laughs> that one. So the other one I guess I'll mention is the Mercedes one with the tortoise and the hare, because this was another one that was kind of hyped up before the yeah, Super they've Bowl. Been, yeah, they've been doing that. Like in the fourth quarter, you'll find out. Yeah, and it was. I mean, the 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 teaser commercials that they had been doing uh, were looked terrible enough. So my expectations were pretty low. They still didn't pull it off. I thought it was just bad like, waste okay. of money yeah. all the way around. You're like, <laughs> you're like okay, the. The, the tortoise wins because he stopped by and got a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a car that, because it's an AMG, I mean, those are typically high performance cars. So that's a, probably a car that only the 1% can afford, <laughs> or maybe the top 10%. It's so like the maybe they like commercial it. from last year where people yeah. are like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It didn't, it didn't uh, sit well with me. I thought it was a, it was a waste. Yeah. That one, that one kind of was because it wasn't, uh, with all that buildup of, you know, because I, I watch a lot of, uh, like, when I get home from, from work while I'm working on the computer or something like that, I'll have, like, uh, Mike and Mike or stuff like that on in uh, from ESPN on in the background. And they were doing promos for that, uh, you know, all, you know, for, like, a couple weeks mm -hmm. uh, talking about uh, I The thing is, is that some of the commercials for the thing were funnier than the thing itself. Uh, did you see any of the ones with leading up to it with Jerry Rice? Yeah, but I thought all those were terrible too. <laughs> well, the, I mean, really the one that, that the one that was the uh, it was Jerry Rice and a Playboy Playmate where mm -hmm. she's actually really smart. You know, she's not just a dumb blonde. Uh, is is what they were going for there? But I think it was really the other one that it, where he's doing it and he's talking to some kid, and he's he mentions something about being a like the greatest receiver or something like that. Mm -hmm. And the kid goes, wait, you're Odell Beckham jr. 
Right. <laughs> that that one funny. did make me laugh. I will admit <laughs> that one was pretty good. That that was funny that uh, you know because then like the look on Jerry Rice's face, you know, so like some of the there was like so much build up, and then they had. Uh, you know, some of the commercials leading up to it were funnier than what you actually got in this, you know, one commercial that went by actually pretty quick mm-hmm. <laughs> was, you know, and, and was over uh, that uh, there wasn't really anything to it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so yeah, that one, I don't know how well that, uh, that one really worked out, but. Uh, so can I, can I throw a curveball here? Sure. Is, do you allow curveballs on your podcast? Why not? Uh, the other type of commercial we got were like uh, movie trailer commercials. So we got like what yeah. Jurassic Park and Terminator and Fast and Furious. Tomorrowland. The, uh, Tomorrowland, the Minions. What else did we get there? Um, I mentioned Tomorrowland. So which oh, ones? Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh yeah, Fifty Shades. Make you yeah. throw up. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so which ones of those did got you most excited about? Uh, I guess we got Ted Two was also in there. Uh, well, at least the Ted Two one was kind of funny, like especially yeah. since it included a clip from <laughs> that includes Tom Brady who was playing in the game, so that made uh, that made it kind of funny. But uh, uh, I, I've never I've never seen Ted One, so I'm not exactly super psyched to see Ted Two. I don't know, probably I don't know, probably Jurassic Park. I don't know. It's uh, although a lot of what you see in it just seems like. They're kind of rehashing things they've done before, except now the park is actually opened. Mm-hmm. I'll go see the Terminator movie. You know, I mean, how many times can they completely have something happen that's changed the future or the past? And this one looks uh, to be completely doing that. Something happened that completely changed. Yeah, you know the that we're in a you know completely different spot from where we were. It's a new previously. timeline. Yeah. Apparently, one where robots can age. Exactly. Arnold looks. Somebody asked me that on my Facebook last night. Like, how did how did Terminator age? I said, well, they pulled the tech out of the back of his neck, and he started growing hair and and aging, which is uh, is a joke that makes sense if you're a Fringe fan, but if if you're not, then goes right past you. But you know, it's 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 sci-fi timeliney stuff you can yeah you can make up whatever you want that's right <laughs> like, <what is> it? <laughs> so yeah. you know probably that uh was there an there was a was there an avengers i don't think so too or i guess so. they released another one but not during the super bowl yeah here recently yeah uh but yeah there i probably probably out of the movies that were that played probably jurassic park is the one i'm Probably most interested to go see. I'm all about Fast and the Furious. I love that series. And yeah, then I also well, I, you know, um, now that I think about it. Probably actually that one maybe. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> do really love those. Although this one, I'm like I'm normally looking forward to them, and they keep getting bigger and stuff and and whatnot. This one, I'm a little weirded out by. Yeah, right. that's and, me too. Know, because the because. Because uh, he died half, you know, partway through filming, and they used his his like brother as a stand-in, and then digitized him into parts of the you know mm-hmm. parts of the movie. And so I'm I'm wondering how weird that's going to look or feel, or how noticeable it's going to be. And so I think I'm 
I'm a little less looking forward to that one for other reasons than I normally would. You know, I normally would be like totally psyched to go see another Fast and Furious movie because mm-hmm. <laughs> they've turned into a really fun, uh, you know, a really fun franchise, you know, big giant action franchise that, uh, you know, who would ever thought from, you know, what they were doing in the first one to where they've, you know, they've got, they've got a car driving out of one building and into another. Right. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah. If you like that sort of thing, then that's. The thing you like. I mean, it's like the, if you like that sort of action, I, I imagine you walked away from that trailer going, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait for this. Yes, they're driving buildings through yeah, ca- through, like, or cars. How are they going to up driving a car out of an exploding plane? <laughs> they're driving one out of a building and into another building. That's how they're doing it. Exactly. <laughs> of course. All right. Uh, that's enough about uh, about commercials. I mean, uh, it's the one time. It's sort of an odd thing. It's the one time, like, I spend most of my time fast-forwarding through commercials on the DVR, so to actually, while watching the game, to actually, like, pay attention to the commercials. I still try to, like, not, you know, these days, a lot of them drop beforehand and stuff like that. I try not to watch any of them until you get the, you know, the full experience of <laughs> of catching the commercial during the game. Although there was still, I swear... I didn't miss any commercial breaks, but I swear when I went to the NFL page with the, the links to all the ads and stuff like that, I swear there were a couple on there that I have no re- remembrance of. And uh, yeah, same here. Was like, there was like a subway ad about a guy running a, a triathlon, but while being beamed with the rubber balls. Oh yeah, that was funny. I actually laughed out loud at that one. <laughs> but, uh, like it was like super early. It was like one of the very first commercial. It was like early in the game yeah, i don't know i, I thought i'd seen all the all the you know all the commercial breaks from uh, you know i saw the kickoff on and so unless it played like right before that or something or i don't know but there was a couple of them on there i was like i don't remember that ad mm. uh but uh what about that commercial where the guy caught the interception at the goal line yeah, that was terrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, was a, that was a commercial, right? That, was that wasn't a, real, was that it? That was a terrible ad. For, and then you sure know the ad at the end of the game for hockey? They, they were <laughs> they were, they yeah. were advertising uh, – what were they advertising? Uh, oh, they were advertising that uh, Tom Brady is the best quarterback ever. Is that, that what that advertisement <laughs> was for? Like yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, – yeah, like I said before we started recording, I would have rather gotten blown out than lose on the last play of the game. Yeah, it's tough, man. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you know, let us know what your favorite commercials were. You know, what you thought of uh, some of the commercials. Did uh, you like some of the ones that we did? You not like some of the ones that we did? Uh, you can always uh, hit us up at uh, feedback at tvtimes three dot com, and also we'll have uh, links to some of these ads and. Or at least to the main main page where you can go find uh, all these ads if you want to watch any of them again. I have to say this is like uh, these days with the the internet and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, you used to get news networks and stuff like that talking about you know for a few days after the what ads uh, and and replaying them and stuff like that. But nowadays you get a real bang for your buck. You may spend a pretty penny for your thirty seconds. 
but it's probably the most watched your any commercial you're ever going to put on TV is ever going to get watched mm-hmm. and uh, most talked about. You know, and so uh, it's probably it's probably worth it. But yeah, we'll have uh, links where you can find uh, find these ads to uh, watch them again if you would like. Uh, and with that, we'll move on to talk about some actual uh, TV. Uh, first up, uh, jumping back a little bit to talk about a person of interest, uh, season four, uh, episodes ten through twelve, which were they were calling the person of interest trilogy, uh, which uh, had a lot of uh, a lot of big events <laughs> took place over the course of <laughs> that's one way of putting it <laughs> of those three episodes. Yeah, maybe we should throw out a spoiler alert <laughs> yeah. in case some of our conversation. Yeah. Uh, well, I haven't seen it. That's, yeah, that's the yeah. That's once we get to the primetime segment. That's uh, that's kind of standard. Uh, there's a standard spoiler alert. If you don't want, you know, if you haven't seen it, don't listen to that section. Okay, I'm not going to listen. <laughs> yeah. Tell me when I can come back on. Yeah, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the uh, you know sort of the uh, wh- what we put the time codes in for, so you can skip around in case there's something you want to a section you want to skip over. But uh, Daryl, uh, what did you think of uh, of person of interest and what they what they did here. I, 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 well, where do we begin? I like what they did with, with everything except the, the one part where they decided to call it a trilogy because it wasn't a trilogy. It's, it's a very, very unresolved story at this point. Um, yeah, especially what, yeah. Cause when the, the, the final episode of the trilogy has still has them driving along in search of, yeah. of, so I don't know who in the definitely... marketing department, probably the marketing department, decided to call it a trilogy <laughs> yeah. because it was it was anything but it was it three episodes in a row that had a an overarching linked story. Absolutely, it was, but it didn't end yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I don't know. The trilogy means three episodes and a conclusion to that episode arc, like they did last year when. You know, Carter got killed. That was a trilogy that ended that that particular storyline ended with that. But but other than that, great storytelling, great use of the characters. Great, great. Uh, When you look at the the arcs of these characters, particularly Root, she's one of my favorite characters in the in the show. And when you we think about where she came in, where she was a villain at one point, she started kind of becoming a a part of team machine very reluctantly. Like uh, Finch did not want her to be a part of the team. Didn't trust her, kept her locked up for much of last season to now where she's at as as a full on trusted member of the team. And within that time period, she personally has also had a lot of growth largely due to Shaw. All of that stuff paid off with what we saw in in the storyline. So what they have done with these characters and the the way they have built them over the last um, several seasons, you know, a couple seasons when you think about Root in particular with what I just said, even though she's been part of the show for three now. uh, Yeah, great stuff, great payoff. Uh, But it hasn't paid off fully yet because Shaw's (laughs) still out there. Now, Sarah Shahi is is pregnant with twins. That's where she is at during this time. Um, and I don't know that she's made her decision on if she's coming back or not. So I think that's why they gave us the the uh, non-ending story. Uh, yeah, but but it's, but it's even but it even sounds like it's going to be non-ending. Like where they were headed off to is going to ultimately be a a dead end. 
Yeah, I don't uh, think they're resolving this anytime soon. And then at some point, maybe or, or not, we'll find out whether she's really gone or not. It's always it's always annoying when somebody quote unquote dies off screen, you know. Yeah. And uh and so you're you're not quite uh you know, you're not quite sure what to 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 make of that and uh, I I mean I can I can put together sort of a scenario where they would try and where they wouldn't have killed her and they would have taken her hostage in hopes of trying to get information out of her mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, because they haven't been able to, you know, it's been quite some time uh, before they, you know, they were able to actually start to find any of these, uh, you know, any of these people with their machine. Uh, and, and so I could, I could see, you know, trying the, the need for trying to get some human intelligence as to what's going on, but it also, is one of those things that it starts to that idea starts to falter the longer it goes. Like I can't imagine like the storyline progressing where all of a sudden they're able to find her and rescue her or or she's able to escape or something like six months or eight months, you know, or yeah. or something like that into the story that it seems like they would have they wouldn't hold somebody that long trying to, they would either, they'd get what they could or not and then do away with her. Right. Uh, so it seems like something in the story that they've got to resolve better. Well, but at the same <laughs> time, the, the last three or four episodes have taken a grand total of probably two to three days, you know, cause you had the crash of the stock market in one episode and then, yeah. you know, got resolved and then you know the the basement got repainted and that was like a day later so it's been three or four episodes but but not a whole lot of time one of our listeners you know we do the person of interest podcast at golden spiral media one of our listeners doc h had a great theory that episode that was called if then else was where they were going through different iterations of how to get out of that compound alive and it was running a simulation and then it failed and so it ran another simulation and it failed and all this is happening in, in microseconds. And you see bits of slow motion happening throughout that episode and that becomes our visual cue that this is a simulation that's happening. And at the end of the episode when Shaw runs out of the service elevator to hit the, uh, the, the switch that, that she needs to hit, it goes into slow-mo. And so he he theorized that that was our visual cue that what we saw there with her getting shot multiple times and then um, Martine standing over her and, and the last shot is as it fades to black. We don't know exactly what happened there. His theory was that all of that was actually a simulation. And so while Shaw has actually been captured, she's not actually been mortally wounded and captured because that was another concern. Like, how could she survive that even if? Even if that last bullet missed, she was still wounded, and, and you, we did see her lying in a pool of her own blood before it faded to black. So I don't know. I kind of like that theory, and that certainly opens up the door a little bit wider for a more reasonable return. Although it'd be weird to a few episodes later to somehow how you go back and say that was just a what you saw was not what the actual thing was. Because the rest of the characters are all playing off of 
you know, after she ran out to go hit the button. Well, she ran out of the elevator. That much is true. They got put into the elevator. They left the building. That much is true. But what may not be true is her getting blasted three or four times in that in that process. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't I, know. It, well, it's it's one of those that if like they came back in the next episode and they. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. The longer they stretch it out, then the more unbelievable it becomes or, or unreasonable for us to make that. Yeah, you know, for us to, to to discharge our believability there. Yeah, there's there's two. I don't know. There's a, I don't know. Once they come back in the next episode and they're searching for or whatever, and it seems that what we saw play out last was the thing that actually happened. Mm-hmm. And so they seem to be playing off. You know, they're continuing on with a, and so with that belief as th- that she was shot and that that last shot they heard, you know, was one that m- maybe was putting her out of her misery, but they've got some other, they're going on the, like the reasoning I was talking about, like that maybe they were just trying to make us think that she was dead. Uh, but they actually got her out of there and saved her in hopes of being able to get information out of her. I could sort of buy that thing, but the, the idea that they, I don't know. There's, I, I guess you could, I guess you could try and play it off that they, that what they're the reason they think that she's still alive is because the thing that actually happened was that uh, she got captured, but they just didn't show us that. But that would be weird. You know, that would be a, that would be a weird sleight of hand that they would have to go back and show you another iteration or something. Well, they would. They would have to say, you know, here's what really happened and yeah. give us a short little or some sort of dialogue that that tells the audience that what we saw with her getting shot, because I don't think most of the audience would pick up on that. Hey, it was slow-mo, just like those simulated parts. You know, I don't, I, especially now, three or four episodes later, whenever they bring her back, right? The, the longer you're right, the longer they go without that. If it was a simulation, they need to tell the audience Here's what happened. So, and hopefully they would do that. We have, they have excellent writers on that show. So, uh, I, yeah. I have full faith in them. The only thing about the show is, do you have a good understanding as to what the guy is after? Like, what he wants to create? Like a world run by computers? Like, what is, what exactly is his deal? And mm-hmm. why are these other people like so willing to like follow him? Well, we had this discussion too because a couple, I don't really a weeks ago because I kind of don't get it. Like, I why would you, uh, you know, like right now you're sort of at the top or in control, but like if the computer really did take over, uh, you know, we saw that it can you know do stuff to the stock market or mm-hmm. it can actually do a really good job of cleaning up crime and things, and uh, but also could you know could completely reverse that if it wanted to right uh, so. and i think that's all that greer wants i i think greer we've we're starting to get some flashbacks in him so this is nice we're going to get some we're going to get to see the way he ticks and how he got to the position where he's in and we saw in that flashback that he wasn't necessarily tied his he wasn't saluting the flag of a particular country he wasn't swearing an allegiance uh, w- without question or without end, he was willing to kind of put himself in a position to serve what he believed to be the ultimate end, which was kind of a a one world government or or a, a one a one world type of uh, a governance. I, I might say 
And so now he believes that he can do that through the artificial intelligence, and he's, uh, he's willing to allow the artificial intelligence to grow and learn in its own way to achieve that end. Now, I think anyone that is, is not blinded by whatever power they think comes with that has a reason to say, yeah, this can't end well. <laughs> you know, Have you not seen Terminator? We cannot yeah. turn it over to the artificial <laughs> intelligence. Yes, that, but that evidently never he has. Yeah, evidently he's never seen it. And, and so I think that but that's his. I think that's his goal is just hey, he wants to be on the winning team. He believes that uh, this machine is the end to that, and I think he feeds off of the power that comes with that. Yeah, when you I look guess, at Martin, I guess you look at his uh, like his yeah. When they showed his background of him being, uh, you know, he was kind of sold out, but not by a. You know, somebody else that was out for their own stuff, not really for the government like he thought. Or I guess, you, yeah, I guess you could go with the, his motivation is that uh, having people run things is is always screwed us. Bef- you know, it screwed me in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm work. He's been working his the rest of his life to uh, and and come across this other, you know, these these computers and stuff like that, that uh, and this artificial intelligence that he thinks is is a better way to go. I guess I could see that, but yet I still don't get the, all the other, I think the, I think the one lady follows him because she gets to go around killing people. Well, I think that's the answer for all of them, man. I think that the rest of the, with Martine and the rest of the mercenaries or whatever you want to call them, they get their rocks off by killing people. They, they don't have a strong moral compass. These are not the high moral standards of society here. And so they only care about who's paying them the most money and do they get to break some bones and cause someone to bleed along the way. That's it. That's what they're trained to do. That's what they know to do. And their services are available to the highest bidder. And right now that happens to be Greer. And I think that that's all they care. That's all they care about. That's their only skin in the game is who's paying them the most to be able to shoot bullets and, and hurt people. I don't think they have a, a larger yeah, world. They're not really thinking about here. what, the, not at all. What the what the end result might be if the computer right. actually does take over, yeah, and they may not even know the fullness of what would happen if the computer takes over. Yeah, I, I'm looking for it. It comes back this week, uh, so uh, we'll. Uh, yeah, it comes we'll, back this week. I can't wait. We'll get to see it uh, where it, where it picks back up, and see if there's any hints at where where they're going to go. But yeah, if the storyline progresses much past a few weeks, then it starts to become less and less likely that it, where it makes sense that you could yeah. possibly find her. Yeah. The, the longer they stretch alive. the Shaw story out, the, the, the better their reason needs to be for how she could possibly come back from that. All right. And with that, we'll move on to uh, the next show on the list, which is uh, Gotham. Uh, is Carla back? Carla, spoiler, <laughs> spoiler warning is over. Oh, I, I've been listening. <laughs> I just turned my microphone off so I wouldn't, you know. <laughs> you would go, damn, what? I didn't want to hear that. No. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was a relief because I thought that Shaw was definitely dead because I kind of already, I, I saw something about that. Yeah. I, so I'm kind of interested to see that maybe she's not. That they makes still me haven't, happy. They haven't, like, officially said, like, They've, all they said is that they wanted to do something big and and uh you know and her needing time off because she was pregnant you know worked into them writing the story uh but then the way they did it leaves it open 
that they, you know, <laughs> that to to possibly bring her back at some point. But as as I mentioned, unless they do that before the end of the season, and you know, and the end of the season isn't well, the end of the season will be like four months from now. But story wise, if it's you know, if they've only progressed a few more weeks past uh this then you know then maybe but uh if, if you're talking months and months then it starts to strain why would they why would if they took her why would they still have her right uh you know what would be the 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 point of that but anyways uh move on on to gotham season one episode 13 uh welcome back jim gordon and uh start with you carla what do you think of uh gotham so far this season and uh and and jim's being back at the precinct I am liking it more now than I did earlier in the season. I I think I it's partially because I'm liking that it, the focus has shifted. It seemed like for a for a time there, it was too penguin centric for me, and too mob related. And now, even though it's still there, it doesn't seem to be like overwhelming the episodes as much. Or maybe it's just being better integrated or having higher stakes. I'm not sure. But I, I am enjoying it more now. It's still not quite one of my favorite shows. But I do like uh, Jim Gordon's kind of that he you're starting to see that he uh, his moral compass and code is having an influence on the other officers around him and that he's starting to somewhat make a difference. I mean, I don't know how much difference he'll make in the overall scope for, you know, any time. I mean, you know, Bruce Wayne becomes Batman because there's still problems in Gotham. So it's not like the problems are going to go away. But I I do like kind of the direction that it's taking. How about you, Daryl? You know, I, I, I'll echo a lot of what Carla said there. I do like the way the show is going, and it's very much the Jim Gordon story uh, and not the Batman story, which, you know, if I think those of us who had kind of read the materials before the series started, that's what we were expecting. Uh, I, although I, I will say I love the Penguin character. I, I think it's the Jim Gordon story, and it's also the Penguin story up to this point, and I am loving uh, what, what they're doing with the Penguin character. I didn't expect that. I didn't there to be, expect that to be so so heavy, but Robin Lord Taylor, who plays the Oswald Cobblepot Penguin character, I think he's he's fantastic. Um, this episode, though, disappointed me a little bit because from day one, the character that has annoyed me the most is Fish Mooney. I cannot stand Jada Pinkett Smith in this role. I can't and, stand Fish Mooney either. I'm there with you. So I'm glad the, she's gone, though, right? That's right. That's right. She is gone. I thought she was going to be gone. And like they were going to kill her, and she was gone. And I'm like, all right. But at the end of the episode, you're right. It looks like she's going to be gone for a while. I'm hoping the rest of the season, maybe she'll come back in the season finale, because it sounds like she'll be back. But I do like that. Cause I'm, I, she, is it, so is it not just me? Are you guys not really caring for her either? I think she's... she. I think that... Um, that and I don't think it's Jada's fault. I think it's the way that the character and the directors have had it, mm-hmm. had her play the character. But I, she's just like she's gone just a bit over the threshold of being just over the top and annoying and swarmy and just yeah. like there's nothing about her that I like at all. I mean, 
like when she kissed um, Bullock at the end mm-hmm. of the last episode, I just like cringe. It made me like it grossed me out because I was like, come on, Fish Mooney. Like, really? You deserve better than that. <laughs> I think the opposite. He deserves better than that. <laughs> That's what I mean. He deserves someone better yeah. than her. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I just it wasn't, and that's the thing. I don't. I think my opinion of of uh, him has come a, a ways since the beginning. Like at the beginning of the season, uh, I thought, okay, Bullock is a pretty dirty cop, and and he still is. But now I kind of like him a little bit, and so yeah, to see him kissing fish, I was like, oh man, come on, dude, get you gotta you gotta quit you gotta quit this mess, you know? Because I think that. Uh, uh, the Gordon character is, is he's, he's starting to see the light of the Gordon character. And it what to me, it wasn't as much of kissing fish Mooney as it was to saying that he's still married to the mob in that way. And, uh, it, you know, metaphorically. And so, well, I didn't, or at least to, has a connection to her, but uh, I think the interesting thing that they've done with that character is shown that, you know, like when they did that flashback episode shown that at, at a certain time he was more like Gordon, but, the city is like broke him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and having Gordon around is sort of started to bring him back a little bit to where, to where he's not quite as, uh, as dirty as, as he used to. I mean, he still, uh, you know, wants to cut some corners and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this episode, I don't know, this episode bothered me not because like, you know, Fish Mooney got out or whatever fish the fish beauty character doesn't bother me i i like uh, i mean it it definitely is very reminiscent of you know like a uh, catwoman from uh, the batman tv series uh in that sort of over the top she's almost like purring as she talks uh, yeah, but that whole series was that way <laughs> yeah i know so <laughs> but i mean i think that's what it's it's one of those things i think it's like that's what they've told her to go for and yeah. so like that's what she's doing and you know that's what you know that's what they seem to want out of that character, but I think it's I think that's, uh, I mean that's sort of like the first I mean the closest to character that's you know you know over the top that you know the over the top bad guys that you know become the costume characters you know mm-hmm. uh, later on, uh, it's sort of like a precursor to that, um, but this episode and what kind of bothers me about it the show in general and this episode seemed to hit on it more is it felt all over the place. Like it hit on so many different little characters and storylines and so many different things were included, uh, in, in the episode that it was just like, uh, it's just like, it just seemed like too much. Uh, I like the episodes more when they, when there's more of like an A and B storyline and maybe you get a little bit here and there of something else. Uh, but this seemed to have like, you know, like A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, like where they were hitting on like all kinds of stuff, uh, in this episode. And, uh, and while it's the next episode is a little like that, it, it falls more into there being a central case, uh, that they're, you know, that they're mostly uh, uh, doing with, you know, one sort of sort of solid, st- you know, s- secondary storyline. And then, you know, a couple other people pop up here and there. But sometimes every once in a while, these episodes, when they just hit where they feel like they've got to bring like 
12 different characters have to appear in the episode or something. And they, they keep needing to, you know, more and more introductions of the young, mm-hmm. uh, you know, up and coming, uh, uh, you know, origin stories of all the bad guys too. But overall, I, I still enjoy it on just sort of like a procedural cop show level set in this weird world of Gotham. And so some of the, you know, some of the side stuff, uh, I wish it was a little more, it's gotten a little less of them, uh, sort of the whacking you over the head uh, with the, you know, like they just want to smack you over the head two or three times to make sure you know that this is going to be XYZ character in the future. It seems to have gone a little bit away from that. But I still think the thing that overall bothers me is that while Gordon's having some successes and he's having a few people come around, it's still ultimately Gotham's got to get like even worse before there's a need for Batman. Well, that's true. <laughs> so, And so you're, it's a storyline of you're watching him put up the good fight, but ultimately he's going to fail. Right. Well, yeah. And I, and I think we saw a little bit of that this week because it looked like at, at near the end of the episode, Gordon had found his man. He, it was an, an internal job with, within the police force. And it looked like the police chief and a lot of the people who, who might've been on the dirty cops, if you will, might have seen the light and said, all right, you know, they kind of give Jim that look like, Hey, we'd lost hope. Like you mentioned Bullock earlier, right? You know, Bullock was a guy who finally just kind of said, you know what? I'm going to play within the system. And, and, and when Gordon got his man and the chief stood up, there was a moment where there was some looks exchanged. It was like, okay, this Gordon guy, thumbs up, man. Yeah. But then when Gordon hits the alley and he's confronted and, and where he's begged, the guy begs him to please keep his children and his wife out of this. He realizes that he realizes that there were extreme consequences to him getting the evidence. He went to Penguin to get the evidence. Penguin was like, Hey, no cost. We're friends. Well, that wasn't true. And so now he's seeing that if you're going to play this way, then you're going to be indebted to the mob, whether you realize it or not. And that's probably where Bullock got himself into the situation where he's in to, to a point where you become numbed to it. And it's just the way that you, that the system works. And so, yeah, there was a little bit of a hope, but at the same time, I feel like the rug was pulled right out from underneath Gordon at the end of the episode that shows that, yeah, Gotham is on its way down to a darker place where they do need Batman. And so I kind of liked that about it. I, th- I think it all, but I think the other thing that also bothered me about the episode in general is, is sometimes with the cops being like so dirty, it seemed to me that more of the cops, while a lot of them are on the take and uh, and as we've seen previously, you know, like a guy can walk into the cop shop and nobody will pull a gun on him mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, he's there for one of the mob bosses. Uh, you know, that that's it. That seems a little too far, but even but this episode seemed to push that even more like that all the cops, they'd be they'd be perfectly willing to go along with another cop killing a witness to a crime inside the police station. They seem to be like willing to go along with that. That just seemed like almost like a a step to, like like a step too far corruption wise, like nobody was willing to do anything. I don't think they anything. were willing to go along with it for the sake of saying that they are okay with corruption. 
I think they were willing to go along with it because they fear for their themselves, for I their guess. career, I mean, for their lives. Too. That could be it too. I mean, I think there there's a distinction between like going willingly going along with it and like allowing it to happen because you feel you have no other choice. Mm-hmm. And to me, I kind of got the feeling that it was that most of the officers, police officers in Gotham kind of feel like they have no choice. It's either go along or lose your job or, you know, lose your life. Whereas Jim kind of in that episode, I mean, and it's been building up, but he's like, forget this. I don't care about myself. I care more about what's right. And that I'm going to push against the corruption and I'm going to be the one that stands up and says, you know what? No, this isn't okay. And that's why in that scene, those cops kind of like, I think they were more in awe of that. He did that. And I think that they saw that maybe as a turning point where then now they're not going to be forced to, you know, watch the corruption that maybe Mm -hmm. this is a turning point. At least that's how I kind of saw that whole scene, which is why I, you know, this episode to me, I liked it because I saw it as a turning point for the series almost where now we're going to see Jim have more power, hopefully, and kind of see what happens, you know, at the Gotham PD, but, you know, or Gotham City PD. I I don't, obviously it's not going to clear everything up, but I think you're going to see kind of Jim become that focal point. All right. With that, uh, we'll move on to uh, The Flash, uh, Season 1, Episode 11, The Sound and the Fury. And, uh, Carla, what you, uh, what'd you think of this episode? I mainly put it on the list because there's one thing that bothered me about it. Uh, but uh, why don't you, you start with that? <laughs> you want me to start with that? Well, here's my question is, was the guy, uh, you know, the Pied Piper, did he have any super ability to him you know any ability to himself or was it that he had built these uh gloves that could shoot the you know the sonic or whatever uh to be able to destroy things or do whatever did he have any he he wasn't changed by the explosion was he no i don't think so no like that's what it seemed like it didn't seem i i never got straight whether he was had been changed in some way by the machine. And so that's the thing that bothered me is if he wasn't one of the superhuman freaks, why would they bring him into their secret prison for superhuman freaks? And the only reason he needed, this was his whole plan was to get in there and be able to steal this information off their computer system. And to me, while the the rest of the episode, while the episode in general was good, I couldn't get past the the space of why he was ever brought there in the first place. Like he seemed like once you took the gloves off of him, that he was just a regular criminal that you would send off with the cops. Secondarily, he was caught by the flash in well, public. You, and why, but, how is there no mention of the him just disappearing with a suspect that was destroying things? I don't think that they knew that it was like it was the um see I, well, he took the gloves off he got there fast he got he spun around he he got to the gloves and and took them off 
and they thought that they had him. But but he still had the super strength when he was in the prison because that's how he or not the super strength, but he still had abilities because that's how he broke out. No, he pulled something out of his ear that he said was he had hearing aids that did something because it bother, you know, that were keeping him stable or something like that. But those were some sort of sonic devices that he pulled out and used to explode his way out of it, just like he used it to explode out of the, you know, both out of the individual cell and out of, uh, you know, the 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 full gate itself, uh, you know, where where Cisco gets injured. And, and but I never got straight whether he had some other type of whether he really was affected and he. Because I, I just couldn't get my head around why they took him there in the first place. And also the idea that the other people that they've taken off the streets, they've taken off the streets in like the dead of night or out of sight of people. And so when they put him away and they just sort of disappear, I could see, you know, nobody saying anything. But how there's no questions or anybody talking about or they just sort of hand wave away that the flash would show up and stop an attack and then take this guy, the suspect off. Well, who's going to be looking for him? Nobody's going to be looking for him. There were, there were like eight cops that showed up before the flash got there. And so they saw him doing this to the building and they saw the flash take the gloves off of him and, and stop him. And then the next thing you see is he's there. He's walking him back into uh, you know, the, the other facility. And you're just like, wouldn't somebody say like, why, where did the flash take him? Uh, why were they, I don't know. That was, there's, there's little things that are bugging me about this series. You're I still, overthinking it. I know. Oh, I still want to know who's keeping all these super beans fed and whatnot, <laughs> taking care of at the facility. Cause on arrow, there's, super secret facility that they've taken some people off to, you know, on the Island now is run by, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm blanking on the, you know, the group that Oliver worked for, for a bit. And, uh, Argus. Yeah. uh, You know, is, is, is done by, is being done by Argus. And so, but this is just like being done by this other group. there holding these people, but there's only three people that work at this facility. And then, you know, the indestructible, you know, boxes of somebody being able to get out. But I'm still, the thing that bothered me was if somebody knows better or saw the episode better, please write in and tell me uh, what sort of ability or how he was affected by uh, the original uh, explosion that would be the reasoning that they would bring him to their prison instead of just sending him in with the cops. Well, I think it was because he's, I mean, he's a dangerous guy guy and there's also the connection between wells and him well it also bothered me with i know i know his secret and then the 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 ultimate reveal sort of isn't that he knows his real secret is that he knows there was the possibility of of this thing exploding but that that also bothered me because in a real conversation you wouldn't say i know his secret you would say, I know what he really did, or, uh, you know, I know, I know, I what really, say, I, I know what really happened. They, they, that was his secret, but they specifically said it. I know his secret so that you would make it think, make you think that he knew that he was reverse flash or that he was working to be that, that type of thing. Or, oh, I don't see it that way, but 
and then ultimately he gets off with this, you know, the by saying what this other thing was. But we saw that uh, the guy saw that he really was, uh, you know, or did know some other stuff about him. But I don't know. There, are, there's. I I enjoy the episodes, but there's little things that are starting to bother me. That that are things that like I guess you're supposed to just like not think about. You know, because, you know, the previous week when you have the guys with the super weapons, once they get caught, they get the weapons taken away from them. They get put into the regular system. You know, this guy, it, it seemed to be on the same level. He was super smart, uh, but I, it didn't seem that he was affected. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I missed something and he actually was. But uh, that bothered me that the whole thing revolved around bringing him into a spot where I I don't get why you would bring him in there if he wasn't if he didn't have some other ability. What what else were they going to do with him? They would give him to the cops. Take away his weapon and give him to the cops. That's what they did with the other guys that didn't have abilities. I don't know, it just uh it just sort of bothered me that he could disable a guy in front of the cops and nobody seemed to care that he that that person just disappeared. But uh I don't know. That was, uh, I'd be interested to hear from others uh, on what they think about uh, or whether I'm just overthinking it too much. And we'll move on to uh, 12 Monkeys, uh, Season 1, Episode 3, uh, Cassandra Complex. And uh, we'll start with you, Daryl. What, uh, what are you thinking of uh, 12 Monkeys so far? What am I thinking so far? I'm thinking time travel. That's all I need. (laughs) (laughs) I am a sucker for time travel, but, uh, and so far this is time travel done pretty well. It really is. My, my wife and I are watching it together, which says a lot because she's not a hardcore sci-fi fan and this is pretty hardcore sci-fi, but she's enjoying it because the story is compelling and they haven't answered all the questions, like even basic questions. We're watching it over the weekend and she says, now, well, wait a second. How are they able to like actually travel through time because they live in this future where everything's been like decimated. So how are how are they doing that? And I said, "Well, they haven't really addressed that." But you know, most of the good time travel stuff doesn't actually address like we need 1. Point, you know, 21 gigawatts of power or whatever. Um and, and so I'm completely okay with them doing that. Uh the very first episode was so good. There was brushes of the movie in there from the very first scene when they're walking above ground and stuff like that i got the got the chills i'm like oh man this is so much like the movie was and just little things like that obviously they've they've done some different directions with uh what was the brad pitt character from the movie which i I think they did an excellent casting job here i'm just loving them loving it because this was i did a did a time travel series uh a couple of years ago a few years ago uh, we did like 10 different time travel movies, and this ranked up there with my favorites. My favorite time travel movie is Primer, but 12 Monkeys is probably in the top, maybe top three, definitely top five uh, time travel movies And for me. And, and so the ability to take a show here now that is kind of built upon the same, some of the same principles and some of the same storylines, but able to dig deeper into it, learn more about characters, uh, learn more about the, the events that led up to some, some things in the movie. And of course, explore things that, that may not even have been considered when they were making the movie. All of those are big winners for me. So 
Uh, I'm really, really enjoying it so far. The acting has been good. The production has been good. And they're still kind of layering in the story, like what they did this last episode with um, the Ramsey character and, and the uh, the gang that we see, uh, West 7, I think is what it was called, something 7. Um, so, yeah, lots of good things being presented, and just it's just really good television, I think. How about you, Carla? I agree. Um, I love it. The first episode, I mean – blew me away i watched it i've watched a couple times and um they've just kind of built on it from there i i'm i'm enjoying that they're showing us 2043 more than i expected that they would uh especially with uh ramey's and jones and trying to figure out kind of like what that world is like and uh not this last episode but in episode two uh, one of my favorite moments was when Cole and Jones kind of face off and Cole's like, I'm not even supposed to be here. And, you know, he kind of takes control of the situation. And to me, that's I'm waiting to see that unfold is, you know, how what did Cole do that was so bad that he wanted to basically erase most of his life, uh, you know, and I don't think it's from in episode three, we see that he killed the doctor, but I, I don't think that's it. Something happened to him. So, well, I guess it couldn't have been that because he made the decision before he ever went back in time or went. Uh, yeah. Back in time. Something happened in 2043 or before 2043. That was just so horrific, I guess, or that he just regretted so much. And I'm really looking to find I'm looking forward to finding out what that is. I'm also interested to find out if he ever runs into his younger self when he goes back in time. I think, you know, that would be intriguing to see what would happen if if he comes in contact with us because they have um, I talked to the producers, um, Terry and Travis and. They're they're they did cast a younger version of Cole, so we will see a young Cole at some point. And it's just he, they wouldn't confirm whether it was in flashback or if it was you know like a memory. I mean, whether it was a flashback or whether or not it's present day in whatever timeline they're in. If that makes any sense. Yeah, if he's sent back to yep. something between between when he was born and twenty forty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, if it sticks with what we've seen in the movie and the French film Lagite, or however you pronounce it, that that the whole story is based off of, then you would think that that would occur at some point. Spoiler alert! Yeah, you know that that may uh, happen. But what I really like is, you know, the sort of decisions that he has to make, uh, and but the the way they play stuff out, like you find out that the doctor was shot and died, you know, in in Haiti. And then you go through all this stuff and you find out that it, you know, he hasn't technically gone back yet, you know, but you're in the future and they're saying, you know, the doctor was shot. And then he goes from there talking with her to the future and then back to that other point in Haiti and tries to keep from coming in contact with her like she requests. But then he's ultimately the one that shoots her or shoots the, the other doctor. And then when he's back in 2015 and he's talking with her, uh, you know, he's, you know, he obviously leaves that detail out that, uh, 
So am I the only one that thinks that maybe he didn't kill the doctor? No, he definitely did. But well, he, he, to me, it was no, a little bit ambiguous because it, it, it was definitely ambiguous because you don't know if he actually pulled the trigger. Because, yeah, she shoots her gun. We see her gun smoking in the present or, you know, 2015. So I thought that that could have been the gunshot we heard, right? It was it was ambiguous enough to think that, yes, the doctor was still shot, but it wasn't Cole that did it. But he still but she still seems to think, you know, he's dead or but the the whole idea is that, you know, he was he knew you don't even know that he's actually dead. She just never saw him. Well, he but he knows that that guy knows where that the information that could potentially find the facility. And that's what that other guy is looking for. Right. And he knows that if he leaves the guy alive, that he's probably ultimately going to get found and and, give up the information and and give up the information. And so if he takes him out and so it's these types of questions and things that he's doing Mm -hmm. because he's trying to, uh, but you know, but the way they do the story and, you know, and then she comes to realize later, like when she was sitting there, and she sees like the little flash or something happens off to the side and she comes to realize that wait that you were you actually were there uh you know and they've just uh, from what i've seen so far and i've seen i've seen this week's episode already too and from what i've seen they've they definitely sat down and thought out you know maybe not the everything for each individual story, but they thought out the major points of where they were going to tie things back in with future, you know, future episodes would tie back in with previous episodes and how they're going to, how they're going to do these things because uh, the, <laughs> the next episode does a really good one in, with the time travel stuff and, and uh, the sort of the loop you know, mm. <laughs> of, of how things can uh, uh, play out on themselves. Uh, and and so I think they've they've definitely had to have well thought out the major points along the way that they were going to hit and come back on uh, in these things because I mean there's stuff like in the in the episode where uh, he makes sure like they he puts the two watches together but mm-hmm. he makes sure that he gets the watch back and gives it to her so that she still has it again <laughs> and he tells her. He said, "You you you need this because it's going to save our lives a, a few seconds ago. But <laughs> if she doesn't have the watch going forward, he's not going to find it in the future and be able to come back and scratch the watch to show her that it's." Oh, know, that's true. Yeah. Know? And so yeah. there's all these there's all these things happening that uh, you know if she if she doesn't have the watch in the future, then he's not going to find it in the future and blah 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 and you know just like the thing where you find out that he's on the mission because she's that she sent him on right but yet at some you know uh because you get to a certain point but at but at what point where you know it it starts to boggle your mind like where's the where's the first point like yeah that's almost a little bit of a paradox because (laughs) she didn't know him before he went back in time to find her um, I did think it was interesting too at the end of this episode where she decides to take the job at the CDC and you know the comment was made earlier you know when they pulled up to the building it's not every day you see the building you're going to die in yeah and and there was they didn't go back to it which was nice they didn't need to go back to it but she has essentially agreed to take the job that will very likely lead to her death that's what's going to put her in the building uh, so that he can ultimately find 
the watch and and all those yeah. things, you know, to place her where she needs to be when she dies, you know. Yeah, it, it's kind of a weird thing. Is like they're they're both trying to solve the problem, which would completely change things. Like he would disappear, right? right. Uh, and but yet also, but then also trying to keep things the same <laughs> as they go along, uh, because. Well, he would disappear, but he he would still exist. Right. Yeah. Well, it, but he would not ever know that he, like, he would exist in a different what would what would be for him a different reality. It's kind of like the ending of Fringe, you know, like the 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 reality that Peter Bishop had at the end of the show was was a little bit different. He had already he had always existed, but the existence that he had before they destroyed the observers or stopped the observers is a different reality than actually happened by the end of the show. Right. And it's kind of that same sort of sort of outcome we're hoping for here. Yeah, but I but with all those all those things, you know, the paradoxes and the looping around on each other and stuff, I I just think they do a really good job with it. Yeah. And uh it's 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 fun to watch. Yeah, it is. All right, so that'll do it for for the uh, primetime segment. And we'll move on to some TV recommendations. Uh, first up is mine, which is uh, – I wouldn't have uh, recommended this after the first episode of Empire, uh, but that's my recommendation now after watching the – what is it? I think it's been four now episodes or so, but I've also watched the next couple, and so I've seen the first six now, and just <laughs> – if, if you like the sort of the big it, – it's like – kind of new and fresh but it also harkens back to the days of you know Dallas and Dynasty and uh but it's set you know in the rap hip hop world and but yet you could put Cookie Lions like right and you could like drop her in uh to like Dynasty <laughs> uh and just the way she dresses and stuff like that but uh some of the stuff that she de- says but uh Taraji P Henson you know a loss from a point of a uh, person of interest, but uh, mm-hmm. a nice, but a nicely done here on Empire with a very, uh, very interesting character, uh, and but just sort of that slightly bigger than life, uh, you know, drama. Each episode ends. I, I mean, there's six episodes in, and they keep dropping like a new sort of bombshell type of twist ending at the end of of each episode, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how long they can you know, propel that. Uh, but, uh, right now I, I, I thought it was a little too much and I couldn't quite figure out exactly what was, you know, like what sort of time period they were going for, uh, in the first episode. Uh, but watching the next few, if you like those big soapy, you know, nighttime dramas, you should go back and, uh, you could probably still catch up with, uh, you know, the episodes and, uh, going forward. But, uh, Empire, that's my, that's my recommendation this week. I love Empire. It is awesome. <laughs> and Carla agrees. I agree. But then also has her own her own recommendation. My recommendation, and I think last time I was on uh, the podcast, I talked about this show as well, and it remains the same, and it is The 100 on The CW. It is very much not a CW-esque show, and it's the first season still available on is unavailable on Netflix. It's only 12 hours and we're currently through 10 episodes of season two. So 
one weekend if you're snowed in you can entirely catch up <laughs> on the hundred or or even and and this season's not gonna be isn't this season only gonna be like how many episodes this season it's only 16 yeah it's only gonna so be if 16 nothing else, so you could wait till the end but yeah. it's already renewed for next year yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be back for a third season so yeah if you don't catch up with it before the end of this season it's definitely one to catch up with before next fall because you only have that'll be 28 episodes so it's like a you know sort of an extended one season of a network show uh or you know two seasons of a cable show really and uh but yeah definitely i would uh i would concur on uh it's kind of a sci-fi show but it's one with real stakes it goes places that and, and characters make decisions that on almost any other show on television they would not make you could be standing on the cliff and you're like oh someone's gonna save the person it's like no the wind's gonna blow and they're gonna fall over the cliff you know like they don't hold anything back yeah, at all. That that is that is the thing I do like about the show is is uh, they they're put in these interesting situations where you know you have to make some sort of decision, and but whatever that decision is, they have to live with those consequences. There, it's not uh, it's not a show where you know they put them in these spaces and then they kind of wiggle them out of it, and uh, it and or you know they're they're able to write some whimsical way of getting them out of some dire situation. You know, people end up dying, people that you don't expect, you know, necessarily. And main characters die. Like, <laughs> see, serious regulars die. Like, what? At least once every four or five episodes. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, they they definitely people that you would think are. I mean, there's probably only maybe like three characters maybe that are sort of untouchable. Right. But uh, for the most part, anybody is uh, uh, anything can happen. And, uh, but it's definitely all about the, that they, they make a decision and then they have to live with that decision. And, and that creates a new problem or something new they have to deal with. Uh, And, you know, they don't, like, you know, Mitch, you know, character deaths and stuff like that. They don't somehow come up with a miraculous way to save some character. If they get put in a, a really bad situation, they're gone. <laughs> they're... You know, and they the thing that I like, too, is that the writers, like, it's interesting because, like, a lot of times you know what's going to happen before it happens. But yet you think think because most shows yeah. will find a loophole yeah. to get them out of it so you're like oh of course that's not really gonna end up happening even though it, like we totally see what's gonna end up happening and then it happens and you're so shocked that it actually happens and how it happens and how everything comes about and then like the ramifications now of what everything means that you're just like mind blown even though You've known, like you knew this was going to happen. Yeah, I don't. Of, I don't know yeah. any other show that can do that. Yeah, it's sort of the opposite of uh, like the uh, last episode of Scandal, which was supposed yeah. to be this huge episode, but I knew that's where it was going the whole time. Right. And then when it happened, I was like, "But that's where it was going." Like <laughs> there was, there wasn't, wasn't, wasn't a shock at all. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, definitely worth uh, checking out. And uh, Daryl. 
also wanted to re-recommend the show that we just finished <laughs> yeah. talking about. Clearly, I don't watch The 100. I, I had nothing to add to that conversation. But uh... but you're going to watch it, right? <laughs> we spent <laughs> like know, five was... minutes trying to convince Daryl before right. <laughs> even we started you recording did. the podcast that he should be watching it. Yeah, and see, I, I told you guys before we, re, we recorded, I watched the pilot at Comic-Con a couple of years ago when they screened it there. And for me, it was eh, it was okay. It wasn't really my cup of tea. But I've heard it's just been really good. In fact, we got a tweet a couple of weeks ago or, or last week maybe that said that uh, Golden Spiral Media should totally be doing a, uh, a TV show for The 100 because uh, it's it's a show that <laughs> – is worthy of of what we do, which was a kind of a, a very flattering way of putting it. But uh, so I guess it's I guess it's I guess I didn't give it uh, as much credit as I should have. We also got a recent tweet uh, from uh, from uh, well I think it was who was it? It was Carl Brand at uh, My Vogue and Poetry on Twitter. Oh yeah, I know him. Who when uh, Mark from Solo Talk Media was on a couple weeks ago, we talked about I the hundred, <laughs> and he he and Carl wrote in it. To both of us on Twitter said you guys should do a hundred podcast or something because he couldn't find one. And uh-huh. so now I'm starting to think that somebody ought to do a hundred podcast yeah. if he searched if he searched uh, iTunes and couldn't find a an I do a hundred podcasts. Well, I, I told him that. I told him that you do I know, I saw the tweet. That you that you do a, a hundred podcast well that you talk about, but it wasn't there wasn't one specifically branded as, you know, like the hundred fan podcast or something like that. Right. And uh, you know, T V diehard is you Right now, you're sort of focusing on the hundred, but you don't necessarily only always talk about that. But yeah, that he was. So, so now you mentioned it, Daryl. Now it's starting to be like maybe yeah, there should be. Thing. Yeah. Well, my recommendation is going to be Twelve Monkeys. You know, we we just talked about it. I don't, I don't know. That we need to rehash anything, but it's an easy it's an easy one to get into. There's only been three episodes as of right now when we're recording this. So yeah, like Carla said, if you're stuck at home on a snow day or just want to call in sick for your own snow day <laughs> it's an easy one to get caught up on all three episodes are available on hulu so there's no reason not to get caught up on on a on a show that's uh three episodes in and and then just enjoy the rest of the season it's great i would definitely agree with 12 monkeys like that is a show get caught up like asap and watch the performances are amazing like the cast is great. I love Especially everything if about you the liked, show. Especially uh, you know, if you liked uh, Nikita, you've got, uh, you've got some people from in front of the camera and behind the camera that, from that show that are doing this show. So There's more if Nikita you like people Fringe, coming, too. Yeah. And if you liked Fringe yeah, early yeah. on, you know, Kirk Acevedo was, was on there. He played Charlie. And he's – which I was glad to see him get more lines this this last episode, episode three, because when he was cast, I'm like, oh, this is great. And then the first couple episodes, he gets like one line and I'm like, they're wasting this guy. He's a great actor. Well, now he's starting to get more lines. And with the new uh, gang war or whatever you want to call it, that sounds like is is emerging. It, it looks like he'll be getting. You'll be uh, happy with this week's episode. More. That's all. Oh, good. Say. All right. All right. Nice. And Xander Berkeley's going to be showing up. Yeah. So, so there's a uh, yeah, there's lots of. Uh, Lots of different uh, connections there. So, uh, cool. Uh, with that, uh, that's our uh, recommendations this week. Uh, we'll have uh, links to where you can uh, find those shows online, uh, as well as the links to the news stories we talked about, and also where you can uh, find uh, Carla and uh, Daryl and their podcasts online. Uh, and the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 260. And uh, next week, 
Uh, Amory will be back with me, and our guest will be uh, another person that Daryl knows, <laughs> uh, Troy Heinrichs, who does the uh, Resurrection Revealed and the uh, Blacklist Exposed podcast. And uh, we'll be talking, uh, you know, we'll be talking some about uh, the big uh, post Super Bowl and then the first uh, Thursday night episode of the Blacklist, among uh, other things from uh, this uh, this coming week of TV. And uh, with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promenade. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Streets Bankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And thank you again, Carla and Daryl, for joining me on episode 260. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jason. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of brews.